Welcome to Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be free of all conflicts of interest. I'm Brad Lyons, and with me is Matthews Barnett. Hi, Matthews. How's it going? Going well, thank you. Well, today we're going to listen to Casey Smith's interview with Jordan Sudi of Sudi CPA and Associates. Jordan is a CPA doing tax work for small businesses and individuals and has agreed to join us on a podcast and share her thoughts on the tax code is today and how it affects clients and business owners. You know, it's amazing how much taxes are integrated into a financial plan. We spend a lot of time on tax work and preparation, although we're not CPAs. It's amazing how much time that we spend on taxes and with our clients. You spend a lot in the financial planning process talking about taxes with clients, don't you, Matthews? Yeah, you know, as we mentioned, uh, we're not CPAs, we are CFPs, but we work on uh, you know tax efficiencies and reduction strategies. Uh, we're actually currently working with a lot of our clients uh, on their tax returns so that we can do uh, Roth conversion analysis or tax efficiency analysis with doing capital gains harvesting. So uh, there's a lot of options within financial planning that you're looking at taxes without filing taxes. Uh, we run across it a lot when we see clients trying to do uh, online software to, to file their taxes. And a lot of times it's really, uh, if you want to get an in detailed analysis, you need to speak to a, a, a professional like a CPA. So this interview, I think is going to be interesting to explain uh, how they operate and some of the, the best practices that they're able to, to help clients. Well, we've partnered with Sudi CPA for a number of years now, and that ability has given us to, you know, transfer back and forth client information, given us the okay to do so, so that we can keep up on their taxes relative to their IRA withdrawals, minimum required distributions, tax loss harvesting whenever available to the client. So looking forward to this interview and I hope all of our listeners enjoy. I am here today with Jordan Sudi of Sudi CPA. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Casey. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. So a little background. Um, Michael Sudi is your uncle. Correct. So keeping it all in the family. Yep, all in the family. Sudi CPA, except mm-hmm. for David. What is David now? D- David's just, he's an outsider. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. He was the original though. So yeah. <laughs> he was the original partner. Yeah. Uh, we work closely with, with Sudi CPA. A lot of mm-hmm. our clients use uh, your services. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd bring you in today to talk a little bit about um, taxes and, and uh, all that boring stuff that we'll try to make it a little more entertaining today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let me, let's have a little background about you just so our listeners can uh, understand um, where you're coming from. You're a graduate of uh, Auburn. Oh goodness, no! Oh gosh, no. I had to say, don't it. get that, don't get that mixed up. I had to say it. You're a graduate of uh, Alabama, correct? Yes, born and raised in Alabama, graduate of Alabama. Uh, made my way over to Atlanta for my first uh, stop in my career at a big four firm. Um, I was there for a little over three and a half years and got to see all different sides of tax, international, state and local, corporate partnership. Great great opportunities to learn there. And then an opportunity arose to come out to Cobb County and work with Michael and his team. And I just couldn't say no. And so it's been a great first year working with Michael and David and everybody um, have loved the everything I've learned and all the opportunities I've had so far. You know, the the big firms, they tend to um, uh, do burnout. I I see it on corporate side too. Yeah, Even the Fortune 500 companies that hire a bunch of people out of college and then they 
work them as hard as they can. The ones that survive, survive. And the ones that don't, don't. No one really cares. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely experienced a little bit of burnout, I would say. Um, the work-life balance is different there than it is what, than what I have now. But that was the perfect time for me, you know, being right out of college to go. And I didn't have anything else tying me back, holding yeah. me down. So I just worked, 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 learned as much as I could. And then when the opportunity did arise after that first you know, promotion cycle to kind of explore options, um, the best one, you know, called out here. And that's what I, I came for. Well, I know that they're glad to have you. Um, so l- let's talk a little bit about uh, just women and in accounting these days. Um, there's a shortage of women financial advisors for sure. I think mm-hmm. there's more interest uh, going forward. We're, we're starting to see some of that coming out of college. Mm-hmm. You know, women CPAs, women financial advisors, I've always thought they're, they ought to be one of the best because it's a job that requires listening. Right. And women are typically good listeners. And, right. Right. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that for women CPAs and women accountants, when I started in my, at the big firm that I did, over half my class was women. And so I think that was something that has been different from years past and it's trending that way just naturally. Um, and even in school, we had a lot of women that were majoring in accounting. And so I think back on, you know, women I know that previously worked in accounting, you know, years back and they talk about their experience and it is completely different, 180 from my experience. And so I feel like, there's obviously still growth there for women and it's never, you know, probably going to be completely equitable, but we are at a much better spot now than I think we used to be. And that's because of strong women, you know, leadership and then men also, you know, recognizing the strong women in the field and the opportunities there. And and I completely agree, you know, women definitely good listeners. And, and for me personally, I feel like at times I've been more passive and been a note taker and I've had to learn, you know, from strong women colleagues and from strong male colleagues as well, how to put my best foot forward and be more assertive in the workplace and really kind of fight for my spot and earn it and stay there. Yeah. yeah. And maybe sometimes with clients too. So you right. will do this. Yes. Yes. Are <laughs> you more, more like you will not. <laughs> yes. Yes. Completely agreed. Yeah. So you will do not deduct all your haircuts. You, yes. Yeah. Completely agreed. Yeah, definitely. Now that you're at Sudi, um, mm-hmm and you've been doing this for a little while now, why don't you tell me some of the things that you think people most misunderstand about what you do or the field, just the field of, of tax preparation, tax planning. Right. So you kind of touched on it when we started. I think people, when they hear taxes, they just think, oh, boring, mundane, you know, something you have to do every year, April 15th. They don't really get excited about it. And, and naturally, I mean, why would they? But I think that at our office, we take this approach of excitement about taxes and we want our clients to be excited about the opportunities out there, you know, and we want to be the ones to tell them, Hey, let's, let's see everything you got and let's help you, you know, achieve those goals that you have achieve those financial needs that you have. And so, you know, there's not a one, one size fits all for clients. And so that's why we like to have clients come in, get to know them, get to know exactly what they want and what they need and get them excited about the opportunities that they, I'm sure that they do not know about. So it's very exciting for us to, to implement these ideas and opportunities. And we hope that clients get excited too. One of the questions we get here sometimes is, Hey, I've gotten a new job or I keep having to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. And my CPA told me to change my W4, but didn't tell me how to do it. Right. Uh, what are some W-4 tricks? So W-4s, 
I remember filling out my first one and it was just one sheet of paper and I put single and zero and then I never thought about it again. And I feel like a lot of people do the same thing, but they've recently revamped the W-4 because I feel like that was a one size fits all. And that's not how taxes work. You know, everybody's situation is different. And so we have so many married couples that come in and they're every year they're owing and they just don't understand why, because they filled out their W-4 married filing joint, you know, zero dependents or one dependent. And every year they come in owing. And we see this all the time. Thankfully, they revamped it and mm-hmm. we highly recommend assessing every year or at least every few years, you know, when jobs change, when pay increases, looking at that W-4 and figuring out if you're withholding properly, because most likely you aren't. You can either, there's one of two options. You can either go online and there's a nice little easy questionnaire on the IRS's website where you put in your pay stub and it'll tell you, yes, you're doing good. Oh, maybe not so good. Or you can use the form itself. There's a nice chart on the back. Where we see the biggest discrepancy is when you have two earners that earn different amounts of money, which is the case probably nine times out of 10. Wife earns X amount, husband earns Y amount. In those cases, you're probably not withholding to account for your spouse's pay. And so the W-4 helps you achieve a more equitable, more accurate representation of those withholdings. So I would suggest either going online, using that easy tool, or printing out the W-4 form and going through that, although it can be kind of tricky. We walk people through it all the time you know, get on the phone. It's a quick 15 minute conversation, but it saves you so much money yeah. um, April 15th. So yeah, just, you have a wife that's a physician and a husband that's a, uh, you know, high school football coach. Right. You know, he probably needs to be, have a higher withdrawal, uh, saving or a tax deduction rate. Than- yes, absolutely. Yeah. He is withholding, assuming that she's making the same amount of money when in fact, that's not what's happening. So, right. um, yeah, adjusting those withholdings can definitely save so much time and money come the next year. And Hey, if it's too much next year, you just adjust again. You know, it's, it's not, um, an easy black or white thing. It's just a science that you have to fine tune to work for you and your, your family. What are the most missed opportunities that you see? When we have new clients come in where we see lacking opportunities or lack of, um, awareness is usually around retirement and charitable contributions. They're either, you know, starting with retirement, they're either not taking full advantage of, retirement planning. And so that's working not only with us, but with their financial advisors as well to find a good balance between what they should be withholding from their checks for retirement. Um, And then also, again, charitable contributions. Uh, We actually were just talking about a client uh, this past week who every year they give, you know, five, six, eight thousand dollars, but they're still coming in right beneath that standard deduction limit. So while obviously they're you know, the charity they're donating to is getting benefit. They are receiving no benefit on their tax return for those donations. And so, Mm. you know, we had the idea, okay, wait, maybe instead of paying that, you know, donation in December of 2021, you wait and do it in January of 2022. And then again, in December of 2022. So then you're stacking your contributions and getting that full benefit for it, you know, next year. And so I think those are like little things that you would never think about, you know, without the advice of a a CPA or a tax professional, because we see this day in and day out, you know, little tiny little opportunities that can save you money in the long run. What about, um, uh, mortgage deductions? Uh, you don't really get to deduct that as much anymore, but everyone thinks this is not really a missed opportunity, I would say, but just probably misinformation. Right. And, the mortgage interest deduction, it is limited, you know, on the certain amount of debt, you know, after 20, after the tax change in 2017, you can only deduct interest on up to a million dollars of, of debt. And so people don't always realize that. And then also the standard deduction limit is so high now that it's affecting, you know, 
people think that they're getting benefit out of certain things when they're really not, you know? Yeah. We're very passionate about having a paid off mortgage in retirement. Mm-hmm. And so we obviously have to plan that in advance or sometimes there's opportunity to do lump sums and just get it, get it knocked out right. once they stop working. Uh, but that's usually the first question I get is, well, I'm not going to get a tax deduction. And I kind of chuckle to myself because I'm like, well, I understand the concept, but even if there was a tax deduction, why would we spend $12,000 in interest to save $2,000 in tax? How about we right. just don't spend $12,000 right. and pay $2,000 more in tax? Right. Uh, but more so now, because the income in retirement, your, your income drops so low, right. taxable income, that there's really no reason to be carrying a mortgage for a deduction because there's no way you're going to get there. Right. And even speaking to that point, I know we've seen it on some clients that we share with you guys. If they're in retirement and they're still charitable and they're getting RMDs and maybe they don't necessarily need that required you know, distribution, instead of getting that money and then paying it straight to you know their church or their charity of choice, instead having the retirement company, you know, the payer of the RMD, pay right. it directly to the charity, then it comes out of taxable income. They're getting benefit from that charity deduction that they weren't previously getting because the standard deduction is so high. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's let's talk a little bit about another deduction that um, I, I'm not so wild about. I don't I don't think you guys are either. But let's talk about land conservation credits. Maybe maybe we talk about a little about what it is first, and then are they all bad? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, years ago, that was, it was the thing to do, you know, having these land conservation easements and I can't, probably can't speak like perfectly to them, but I'm going to try my best. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Um, these land conservation easements were taking, you know, tracts of land that were beneficial to the government agencies and donating the, that land, you know, to the government and saying, you know, this isn't going to be used for any purpose besides whatever the government deems it to be used for. And usually we would take, you know, a fair market value deduction for those land pieces. And they were all great a few years ago, but now the IRS is attacking almost each and every one of them and completely disallowing them or taking a much lower appraised value for those. Right. But some of them were, some of them were um, saying, well, this, this was going to be a $15 $15 million shopping center. And when you looked at the details, it was like, it was landlocked. Like you couldn't even put a road. Right. <laughs> There's no way it was going to be anything, but what it, what it already is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so probably, I mean, definitely we don't recommend clients to invest in those now because of the attack from the IRS. Right. And we assist clients now with the defense of those. Although there's not much we can do from our side that's where you know, your tax attorneys come in and, and really start to try to defend them. But we aren't seeing much success on those, which is unfortunate. But yeah, I would um, think it'd have to be very conservative. But the whole idea of the opportunity uh, is to not be conservative, is to get as much tax deduction as exactly, possible. Right. So again, it's it's one of those areas that um, people talk about. It's water cooler talk. This is about a land trust. I'm saving this mountain tax. Anyone right. tells you that at this point, then you just maybe offer them a coffee as they're getting right. uh, or a beer as yep. they're getting their audit done. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they owe thousands and thousands of dollars in right. taxes. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, another one that seems to be more legit though, uh, and I, I know it's still in Georgia, it's not as active, but it was the movie credits right. in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And we assist clients with those each and every year. Great opportunity for savings with all of the films that come to 
you know, and TV shows that come to film in Georgia, they're offered, you know, more tax credits than they even know what to do with. And so these tax credits are transferable. And so what we can do is we go through a broker that, you know, manages these credits and we buy them for our clients or our clients buy them for themselves. And then we're able to usually get a 10% return for them on their, on those credits. And the only thing with COVID it's, it's thrown a little bit of a wrench in the amount of credits, but we fully expect it to recover and bounce back in these coming months and years. And it's a great tool. Um, and that, these are state credits, not yes, federal correct, credits. Correct, so yes. You'd have to have a, is there an income? Is there a rule of thumb on the, how much income you you're working with? Um, I mean, to me, it would have to be well over, what, 200,000 a year. Yeah, probably. definitely. Um, right. Cause if you're, if your Georgia tax liability is $50,000 and yeah. you, I mean, that's a high amount, you know? And so right. to get, you know, money back from this, um, uh, opportunity, you would spend 50 to make 45, you know, or around there. So, right. um, it's a great opportunity for those who have high income, high Georgia tax bills to really save some money. What trends are you seeing for uh, 2021 that maybe we should be aware of? Yeah, so ever since the tax reform change in 18, we're still kind of you know, working through all those changes. But we have a new you know president who is considering legislation, and one of those is increased tax rates on capital gains. And so normally for us as CPAs, we're always you know deferring income. You know, let's defer as long as we can. But now we're sitting here thinking maybe we accelerate that income. You know, we, we aren't sure what's going to happen with those capital gain rates or when they're going to be effective. So it's just something that we're you know, kind of sitting on the edge of our seat waiting to hear about. And so not much we can do at the moment, but just be ready for whenever that does become effective and be ready for our clients to make moves if they need to and and advise them on best options forward. You know, if you're a business owner and you're looking at selling this year or next year, I would say that your safer bet is probably to be selling your company in this tax year. Right. But we're not sure. Right. We're not sure. (laughs) Exactly. It's interesting to to see that there, there are some moderate Democrats didn't know they existed, but there are some right. Democrats <laughs> that seem to be uh, be a little more level-headed about um, these these tax changes. Right. Uh, so that's kind of your fighting chance of of not being taxed out the wazoo. Right. Uh, is that we come up with some policy that's in the middle of where we are now and and, and where many uh, want to go. Right. That's something we're watching as well. I mean, we think about um, Roth conversions. Mm-hmm. You know, the the a couple of years ago, or I guess it was last year during the CARES Act, the um, uh, IRAs, the last to die. So you and your wife or spouse pass away, and then that those IRAs have to be taxed over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Where before it was called a stretch IRA, you just take a required minimum distribution out over um, the beneficiary's lifetime and then their beneficiary's lifetime, right. right? That doesn't exist anymore. So we keep looking at ways that we can convert uh, IRA to Roth so that we're growing tax free and we don't run into uh, an inheritance tax kind of issue. Right. Um, but even that's hard to judge. Right. Because there's a good chance that you do a conversion today. And by 1231, there's a whole new tax code for this year because they've talked about making it uh, go in, in, in arrears, right? Right, right. So it's, this is probably one of the harder times I would imagine, I remember anyway. Right. Where you're trying to do tax planning and right. trying to figure out where, 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 how the game is going to be laid out. You don't even know what the board looks like at right. this point. 
Right. And I know Biden mentioned that the it was possible that it would be effective as a date of announcement, which yeah. is not anything we've ever heard of before. We've heard of retroactive, but right. date of announcement would be a totally new ball game. So we're hopeful that if anything, it would be retroactive, but up to a certain date, you know, date of passage as opposed to a previous date of announcement. This is going to be a very interesting year for estate planners and for um, CPAs plan and financial planners all alike, um, because, yeah. If something is is done that fast, there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of movement um, right. to make changes to to your personal wealth. And what's what's concerning to me is really oh these are the wealthy people. These are the wealthy people. You know we we run a pretty large wealth management firm here, and and uh, no one really thinks they're wealthy. Right. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You have someone with. $30 million in net worth and they don't think they're that wealthy because right. they know somebody that has a hundred. Right, right, right. right. Uh, you know, then you have somebody who's, who's just starting out and, and they have no debt and actually they're doing on a pretty good track. Right. Uh, but they like, Oh no, I don't, I really have anything. Um, but it, it's um, uh, looking at, at even not just so much tax law, but just estate planning, you know, death tax. If that actually comes back to a million mm-hmm. per person, a million dollars isn't a whole lot of money. It's not. Yeah. So that that's going to be uh, detrimental to to the middle class at that point. Because right. that includes your home. Right. And most people have a three hundred, at least a three hundred thousand dollar home, right? Right. Yeah. So exciting times. I mean, for us, we love to learn and love to stay on top of this stuff. So it's definitely going to be exciting to watch. Well, Jordan, thank you for coming in and joining us today, and and we learned uh, enjoyed learning more about you. Yeah. And uh, you guys can be reached at. Sudi CPA. Sudi CPA.com. Yes. Right. Yes. Correct. Yep. All, all your contact information can be found there. Yes, it can be. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll have you back again. Thank Thanks. you.